If you have listened to the podcast for a while, then you know that there's a region of the world that is very special to me, and that is the area of Kenya. And today I'm very excited to share a conversation with a man named David who grew up in a location very similar to the garbage dump that I myself have worked in in Kenya. And if you're not familiar, it's literally a garbage dump where children live and spend their time and dig through the garbage to find something to eat. And the first time I saw the garbage dump, the first time I smelled the garbage dump, it was overwhelming for me. And to think that there were children that were living in this place. And so his story is what happens when desperation like that meets the hope of the gospel. It's so inspiring to me. And I pray that it's a blessing for you as well. Do you sometimes doubt if you're truly hearing God's voice or if it's really your own? Or have you been in a season where it feels like He's completely silent? Have you been praying for a way to learn how to hear His voice more clearly? Hey friends, I'm Rachel, host of the Hearing Jesus Podcast. If you are ready to grow in your faith and to confidently step into your identity in Christ, then join me as we dig deep into God's Word so you can learn to live out your faith in your everyday life. The Hearing Jesus Podcast is so excited to partner with Compassion International. We believe in Compassion's mission to release children from poverty in Jesus' name. Sponsors, when they sponsor a child, have the opportunity to see firsthand the impact that you're making through letters and updates that you receive from your sponsored child. It's not just changing the lives of children, it's changing entire families, whole communities, always through the local church and always in Jesus' name. When you choose to sponsor a child, you ensure access to quality education, medical checkups, healthy food, clean water, and most importantly, the love of Jesus. Delivered through a church in their community because of a generous, caring sponsor like you. And you can speak life, love, and hope to your sponsored child through personal letters that you'll exchange. I hope you'll join me in sponsoring a child through Compassion today. All you have to do is pull out your phone and text Hearing Jesus to 83393. You'll get a text back with a picture of a child who is waiting for a sponsor and a link to sponsor that child. You can also go to Compassion.com forward slash Hearing Jesus to choose a boy or girl to sponsor. When you sponsor, we'll also send you a copy of She Hears Learning to listen to Jesus, my book, as a token of our thanks for investing in the life of a child. Thank you for joining me and sponsoring a child through Compassion today. Hey friends, welcome back to the Hearing Jesus podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Grohl, and I'm so excited to have a conversation today with my new friend, David Wangaka. David is joining us on behalf of Compassion International, and he has such a message of hope that is from the transforming power of the gospel. And so I'm so excited about our conversation today. David, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. I really appreciate being here today. Uh to fellowship together with you and everyone that's watching this uh, show today. Yeah, well, you know, as as listeners might be able to tell from your accent, you grew up in Kenya. And so I was hoping you could maybe just share a little bit about your background and some of your experiences and maybe a little bit of how you got from where you are now to from where you started and just kind of maybe share a little bit about Compassion and how you became involved with the organization. Yes, absolutely. Thank you. Um, so I was born and raised in Kenya. 
And uh, when I was growing up as a as a child, uh, my mother, who was raising five children uh, all by herself, because my my dad was not in the picture, um, she was only earning probably I would say less than a dollar a day by then. Mm. And so we lived in extreme poverty or what you would call extreme poverty um, because the only the only money that she would make would only be enough to pay for the rent. And sometimes that rent was like $10, uh, but it wasn't even enough sometimes. Uh, I remember growing up, we would be locked out by the landlord. Mm. If you don't pay sometimes uh, for a couple of months, then you are locked out. And sometimes it would be in the street, all of us, the six of us. Uh, if no one wants to open the door whenever we knock on people's door, uh, we had knocked on so many people's door uh, to ask for help and assistance or compassion uh, that we had become a burden. Um, my mother at some point was in and out of jail a lot because she was making liquor and the liquor she was making was illegal, but she had no choice. Uh, that was the only way that she would have been able to make a little bit for her children. And she never wanted her children to suffer, to continue suffering, even going days without food. And so whenever she's in jail, my brother, I'm the oldest, but I have an older brother who would come up with an idea and we would go to the street and we would dig in dumpsters. Mm -hmm. So whenever you go to most of developing nations, you will see that there are, you know, there are so many children in the street because they really don't have um, uh, the privilege that we have sometimes, especially here in the United States or in, in, in uh, nations that have already developed, they don't have programs for poor people or for someone living uh, below the poverty line. And so if you are born poor, unfortunately, you are going to remain poor forever. And so that's why there is that cycle of poverty that never ends. Because if you're born in a, in a poor family, you don't have privilege and opportunities for any, any opportunity in life, like how you would be able to come out of poverty, mm -hmm. be it education, uh, be it access to healthcare. Um, and so growing up, I experienced what poverty is all about, and not just poverty, uh, extreme poverty. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, let me stop you there for a second, because I want yeah. our audience to get a clear picture of what you're talking yeah. about. Um, mm. I know that you know that I know what you're talking about when you say a garbage, you know, you're digging through the garbage. But yes. for many people in America, they have no concept of what that actually means. Yes. Can you break that down a little bit and explain yes. what you mean by that? Absolutely. So sometimes we would go to uh, where garbage is dumped. So whenever you look at some of the pictures, maybe online or on the internet and look and Google something like uh, garbage dump, it's just these huge, huge tons and tons and tons of uh, garbage from the city. Most cities in developing nations, they don't have recycle programs. So you might go somewhere, there is kilometers of just smelly garbage from 
any industry, anything, hospitals, homes. So there is anything. And so you, we would go there and dig with sticks. So we would wait for the, uh, uh, the, the, the garbage truck when they are coming to dump all the garbage. And then we would try to look for the freshest food or mm-hmm. anything that's not really extremely, extremely contaminated. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there would be, you know, rotten fruits from marketplaces and that kind of stuff. Sometimes it would be so bad that we would go to hospitals and, um, and, and, and go to the garbage in hospital where probably the sick people were not able to eat and whatever, you know, what's drawn out. Uh, and, and so it was very risky. You could contaminate anything. Mm-hmm. You, could get, you could get sick from anything. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's the picture. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a filthy um, mm-hmm. kind of garbage mm-hmm. dump. Uh, so there is vultures and stuff. And you can find anything, needles and whatever, mm-hmm. um, uh, that can be very detrimental and very dangerous, even for the children or for anyone as a human being. So it's almost like living worse than an animal, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. Because like I, I look at dogs, I'm like, dogs are even better than humans. So for us, it was worse than animals. You know, one of the things, and you can tell me if this is what you experienced, when I was there and we would go and we would minister in the garbage dumps in uh, near Nakuru, mm-hmm. and there was families that were even just living there. They weren't just coming there during the day, but they were living yes. there. And then alongside of the children that would be digging through the garbage, like we were there yes. when these trucks would come, there was also mm-hmm. pigs and vultures and things also digging through that same garbage mm-hmm. at the very same time. Is that what you experienced as well? Absolutely, uh, because, and and I'll actually come to that and how that started happening in my life. So, you know, one of the most profound uh, consequences of extreme poverty is lack of access to good health. And unfortunately, my mother got very sick mm, and she had sick. no way she would be able, she would have been able to pay for treatment. Unfortunately, you would, Everyone was required, whenever you get sick, you go to hospital, but you are required to show proof of payment that you'll be able to pay. So we don't have health insurance. The system by then did not have anything. You had to use cash. And that's why poverty in most developing nations that don't have systems in place, you need cash. You use everything you use is cash. So if you don't have cash, it, it, that's it for you. And so when my mother went to hospital, Unfortunately, it was too late for her because by the time they kind of felt compassion for her to admit her, uh, she did not last even an hour. Mm. And we were told that she passed away. And and in the midst of that hopelessness, even hopelessness became even extreme. Uh, We could not handle even the news as children. But we were also, also very traumatized that we were like numb. Mm-hmm. And I remember living with different relatives and, and, and friends. And at the age of nine years old, I had no one to take care of me. So mm-hmm. I started sleeping in those garbage dumps. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some time, I was there begging in the street. Uh, and that became my life for me. And, and you'll see what we call uh, when, you, when you visit in most developing nations, and especially Nakuru, mm-hmm. and big cities like Nakuru, 
Nairobi. Um, I lived in Nairobi mostly. You will see so many children out, you know, in the street. They don't, most of them are orphans and most of them don't have, they have parents, but parents don't have means uh, to provide for them. So they would be begging. And so people are so used to them that no one cares. And that's, that's, the, that's the problem is that whether the children are genuine or not, and they're so innocent, no one cares about them because people are used to that. And so you'll be in the street and if someone said hi to you, it's like a miracle to you. Mm-hmm. If someone just looked at you uh, from as a human being or from a compassion uh, point of view. And so that's how life was for me in the street, in the cold. And But God, God is so gracious. It's amazing how God still has great purpose in, in our lives. Like he, you know, when the Bible says that in the book of Jeremiah 29, 11, that he has good plans for us to give us hope in the future. You, when you are in that situation, you wonder how that's going to happen because you have no hope. But that verse would encourage me because sometimes in the street, you would hear people preaching the word of God. And from that, I would hear things about God. I would hear about hope. I would hear about the love of God. And I kind of longed for that love of God because I could not get love from human beings, from people. Um, And so I kind of started having that. God gave me that grace of somehow believing and and trusting in him as a a father, as a dad to me. Uh, Not just uh, just as a religious prayer where we would just pray for the sake of praying, like our Father in heaven, uh, we, our Lord be there. No, not just a prayer, but I would actually sometimes pray to God like my dad. I would not even pray. I would just talk to him uh, until God started doing things in my life that were proving that he was with me. Hey friends, are you loving the deep conversations, the biblical insight, and the spiritual growth content that I share on the Hearing Jesus podcast? Well, I've got some fantastic news for you. Starting at just $5 a month, you can become a member of our Patreon community and take your Hearing Jesus experience to a whole new level. When you join Patreon, you gain access to ad-free episodes, daily journaling prompts and worksheets, monthly bonus content, personalized Q&A sessions with me, giveaways, and more. As a Patreon supporter, you're not just a listener, you're a valued member of my inner circle. But that's not all. Our Patreon community is a place where you can connect with like-minded people who share your passion for spiritual growth, engage in meaningful discussions, share your thoughts, and be part of something that's truly special. Plus, we've got some awesome perks lined up for our Patreon supporters, from shout-outs on the podcast to exclusive merch and more. So if you're ready to dive deeper into the journey of hearing Jesus, head on over to patreon.com for slash hearing Jesus. Your support makes a real difference, allowing us to continue bringing you inspiring content week after week. Also, a portion of any income from Patreon goes to support children through our partnership with Compassion International. Again, head to patreon.com forward slash hearing Jesus. Thank you for being a vital part of the Hearing Jesus community. Together, let's learn to live out our faith in our everyday life. I love that because it's not even 
that God is just our father, but scripture says he's a good father. And so how did you start to learn about even like, how did you know to pray to him as a father? And how Mm -hmm. did you start to learn about having a relationship with him? Mm -hmm. So mostly I, I, I started growing into faith slowly. Um, one time when I was in the street and I, I heard about, you know, the love of God, I started praying to him. And I prayed to him and I told God, God, uh, get me out of this situation and I will follow you. I will talk about you. I will serve you. And he actually heard my prayers because one time I was in the street and I was just walking in the street and I was starving. But then I remembered God is a, is our is our father. And I remembered that I had prayed a prayer about God getting getting me out of this extreme poverty. But I was starving and I just wanted to see if this God can provide food for me because I wanted to start trusting in him as a dad who provides. And I started praying to God. I told God, God, I had a story about uh, manna and you feeding the children of Israel with manna. And I started praying for God to bring manna. I was 10 years old. And I'm walking, looking into heavens, waiting for manna to drop out of um, the sky. <laughs> but that, 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 that innocence faith really worked miracle because there was a truck behind me that used to supply bread mm. in different small kiosks. And it passed me and dropped five loaves of bread. Wow. And, thank God. <laughs> and God provided for me. Yeah. But most of that faith was, was increased when I had the opportunity, someone looked at me in the street and asked my name. No one has had ever asked my name before. And I told him, and I told him a little bit about who I was. And I was scared of him because I thought probably it's a police. Uh, we used to be arrested a lot because, you know, in the streets you do, you do bad stuff to try and survive. And he invited me to come to church with him and that's where I, I was introduced to uh, the most amazing program called Compassion International. I had no idea it was a compassion program. I thought it was a feeding program because I had no idea there was something like that because there is no compassion sign anywhere. Mm-hmm. There is no compassion. This is Compassion International. All you see is the church. And so I thought that church had some programs where they feed children because there were so many other children around. Um, and that's when hope and that trusting in God started in my life. Mm. Yes. Wow. So when you started to get involved with this program with compassion, mm. how did that change things for you? I mean, I'm, we can see that it changed the outcome of your life, but specifically what started to happen at that point? So we, we would come to, to the church um, three times a week. And sometimes uh, we would come to church or to the center, Compassion Center, uh, even a whole week, depending on holidays. But how it started changing my life was just the love. Hmm. The Compassion staff, most of them volunteers, they are just called by God. That's their purpose. They know their purpose is to serve. And so they love on you so much. And that love starts changing you, who you are. Because they love on you in a way that is so pure and so godly that you also start changing 
absolutely, even physically. Mm. Then I started, they took me, uh, you know, they gave me some clothes to wear. They would give me, I would go there, we would have meals, uh, diet, balanced me- meals. And then I started going to school because I had dropped out, of, my whole family dropped out, had dropped out of school. And because I, I was the youngest, I had the opportunity to join uh, school. Education in uh, most of developing nations is very important because it's one of one of ways of uh, escaping poverty. And so I started going to school. But also the most important thing was every time we would come in the morning, the first thing we would do is pray. We would pray and we would sing. And the devotion, we were kids, but these guys had, they loved God so much that the devotion would be sometime up to two hours of wow. singing and praising and mm-hmm. hearing the word of God and praying and everything. So that that instilled the, the love of God uh, in my life. And so that's how life began to change. But the most important thing was hope. Mm-hmm. The hope that I started receiving there. Because now I had lost so much hope that I I. I could not trust anyone. But now I started trusting that, wow, this is it. God is doing amazing things in my life. And so I have to align myself with God's purpose in my life and seek him to understand him and to understand what he wants to do with my life. I'm still in that journey. I'm still, mm-hmm. I haven't reached there, but I'm still discovering what God is still molding me uh, into what, whatever he wants me to be. And so that's how it began changing in my life. Um, but one most important happened was we would receive everything physically and economically that we, we wanted, but we also wanted a relationship. And that's why Compassion does uh, the, the, the sponsorship program, one by one sponsorship. I received a letter one time and I was told, David, you got a sponsor. The, the most important thing about that, or the, why it's so important and why it's so passionate, is that some children wait for so long uh, to have that. And that sponsorship relationship with a sponsor is almost like a, like, like, like a, like a stamp. It's almost like a sigh of relief, like this is it. Um, it gives you a sense of security mm-hmm. that things will be fine. Remember, I just spoke about trust. But when that happens, that's when you're like, now I can trust. This is a real program. This is a real thing. My life is changing for real. And my sponsor would just encourage me and and tell me that they love me. And they would tell me that we have a picture of you on our refrigerator. Mm -hmm. You know, I I had no idea what the refrigerator was, but (laughs) I'm glad. (laughs) I'm glad there was something they would look at me and pray for me Um, because the compassion staff would translate the letters to us and tell us what everything means. We would write back to our sponsors. Uh, We would wait again the next week when we go to the program of compassion and receive more uh, uh, letters from the sponsors. Sometimes, uh, writing may not be a culture for the kids sometimes, so it takes long for them to grasp, but they are so happy receiving something mm-hmm. uh, like photos and something encouraging them, cards. Um, some of the kids would be, that's the, my sponsor was the only person that would remember my birthday mm-hmm. in the whole world. Uh, they, I never 
celebrated birthday until I joined that program. That's I knew, oh, I'm important to celebrate something like when when I was born. Because I had no idea when I was born. I, there was no record of anything from my mother. And so we came to realize later, uh, specifically when I was born after doing some research. Mm. Wow. You know, one of the things that you said, I think, was so striking for me um, is that you really responded to the way that the volunteers there loved you. And I think one of the reasons that Jesus was and continues to be so attractive to people is because of the way that he loves us. And it sounds like you were receiving love, not just from the sponsor, but for the people that were implementing the programs. And, and it's so interesting to see that that maybe even more so than food. Sometimes I think sometimes that love and and that encouragement and that hope is so attractive and it starts to, to break down some of those barriers that we have up in our heart. I, I think one of the things that I think is a challenge for some people that are new to compassion or new to the idea of sponsorship is how that relationship forms. And like you're saying, it happened through letters. But I think a lot of people just think like, who am I? What can I do? I'm living over here in the States. I'm so far away. You know, what what can my money do? That it's such a big problem. I, I think maybe if you could talk a little bit to maybe that individual that's on the fence of like, yeah, I've been hearing about compassion. Rachel talks about it all the time, but but why should I become a sponsor? What 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 does that really mean for me? And what would that mean for the child that I would sponsor? And maybe you could just talk a little bit about that from your perspective, because I think it's important yes. for people that maybe are thinking about it, but that just don't quite understand what that means. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for asking that question. Uh, specifically for me, when I think about it from uh, experience, uh, first-hand experience point of view, is that sometimes even when there is no physical uh, touch or that that person being there, the knowing of someone knows me, someone is thinking about me somewhere, was it's so powerful. That realization of that, for example, when you think about even our relationship with God, and some people struggle with this a lot, like how can I trust and believe in something, this relationship that I don't see? It's almost the same kind of relationship where someone is there, you know, they're there, and they're encouraging you. You can read their letter physically. And those encouragement, those, you will make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we love you. I've never had anyone say they loved me. Even my mother did not say those words to me because it was so sentimental. I know she loved us and she loved me, but she didn't want to be that sentimental. She wanted me to survive. Mm. Even though when that those words were said for the first time, you know, I felt, wow, someone loves me. I'm lovable. I'm worth something. So that relationship changes uh the child's perspective and it encourages the child not only to experience that love, but also it motivates the child to even reciprocate. Mm. Reciprocate the love and even working hard, even loving themselves as mm. children. It also changes the sponsor's uh, perspective and as well as um, 
they are hurt. Because sometimes children would write something and you would read it and it's so unique. A mm. uh, child, you can send them, uh, let's say, for example, an extra $10 gift for their birthday. And what they tell you they buy changes your perspective about life mm-hmm. and about the world. Mm-hmm. Because they can tell you, I bought eggs or I bought a chicken mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that can be shared by the whole family. And you learn this um, aspect of not individualistic in the life of these children because Mm -hmm. they're reciprocating that someone is sharing with me. Mm -hmm. I need to share uh, with them. Yeah. And you know, one, I experienced that firsthand and it changed my perspective. It rocked my world. We were in the garbage dump in Nukuru and we had taken of course, we were there to t- tell them the hope of the gospel, but we had taken food and we had these little pouches of these like cheese puffs or something. And I opened the bag for this little boy and he was maybe five years old. And the first thing he did is he pulled it out and he gave it to me. And I was like, this kid is starving and he lives in a garbage dump and he is concerned about me. And he insisted, on, he pushed it in my mouth. He would not take no for an answer. And I was so humbled and just thought, man, this kid is so generous. And like, if that was me and I was starving, I would have hit it, you know, and here this little baby is trying to make sure that my needs are met. And it just so opened my eyes as a spoiled American at that point (laughs) in my life that like, we have no concept of the impact that this kind of gift and this kind of relationship can make on these children. So I'm so thankful for the intervention of compassion. And you know, what I love is that you work for compassion now, don't you? Yes, I do. Yeah, how did that happen? Um, So when I moved to the United States um, in 2015, uh, previously I used to come and visit and go back. And then 2015, when I moved here completely, um, I saw Compassion had a position here. And I applied for it because I was like, you know, serving at Compassion, that would be like just like, serving and giving back yeah and i know so much about compassion i've experienced it to me it's not it's not like a job it's like a lifestyle it's mm-hmm. living it's like continuation of my life and uh, i started serving our donors and and sponsors uh first of all compassion was so generous to me all my life uh, because i went to school i graduated uh, with an mba degree and I was the first person in my whole family to ever wow. step foot in a class and wow. graduate, even from, from, from high school or mm-hmm. even from kindergarten. Wow. My brothers and sisters never went to school. So I was the first one in a, in a, in a whole cycle of almost uh, decades, uh, as no one, my grandmother, as my grand, no one knew what education was. Wow. And so with my MBA in finance and other project management stuff, so I serve today uh, with our donors uh, on the eastern side of the United States that want to learn about legacy giving and how to continue serving and giving to compassion, even when God calls you uh, to glory. And wow. it's such a beautiful thing to, to, to help and to assist or to serve in the only, you know, the the smallest possible way I can uh, to help our supporters in doing that. 
and helping them see, okay, most of this um, dollar amount that would go to other programs, maybe in taxes that could be used in taxes and maybe doing things through taxes that probably you don't believe in and that kind of stuff. And how can that help with charity and charitable donation and that kind of stuff. So that's exactly what we do and serve uh, our our donors. And and not just that, it's not all about including uh, 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 compassion in their will uh, to continue sponsoring their children just in case something ever happened to them, but also building relationship and loving one another and having fellowships. It's it's been so beautiful and amazing just speaking to someone on the phone and just sharing the word of God and praying together. And even if you might never meet them, but you know, you have that family of God, mm-hmm. that family of God that, wow, I, 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 you know, I can, I know my sister, Rachel is my sister in Christ. And we are praying together. We share a, something in common. That's a family. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, a, it's such a privilege and honor uh, to serve back to compassion and give back to compassion, uh, as well as other ministry that we support mm-hmm. with our with our uh, resources back home in Kenya and other countries as well. Well, I'm so glad um, and so honored to be able to see just this glimpse of what God has done in your life and how he has used compassion and how you continue to give back and just see this whole circle of um, this redemptive thread of God in your life. I'm so thankful for that. Um, In a minute, I would like to ask you to pray for our audience. And I think I'd like you to specifically pray for that person that the Lord is starting to put this on their heart. The Lord is starting to put sponsorship on their heart. You know, we've been talking about it for a couple months now on the podcast. Um, I've been talking about global orphan care and the impact of this kind of ministry for a long time. But we've been specifically talking about sponsorship for a couple months now. And I can imagine that there are people that are starting to feel that God is calling them to this, but they're struggling a little bit, I think, with that obedience portion because it's a financial commitment. It's an emotional commitment where you, you know, writing letters and and sometimes people think like, oh, what would I have to say to this young child? But I think as you have communicated, it doesn't take much. I mean, just even saying I'm proud of you, I love you is so impactful for a child that doesn't hear that. And, you know, I believe in the mission of compassion so much that the tithe from the show actually goes to compassion. And we are now sponsoring, we're up to five kids that the show is sponsoring. And I keep looking for more. My husband's like, slow down. You know, we we keep wanting to to do as much as we can through the partnership. Um, but I, I'm encouraging anybody, if you're on the fence, if you are even just thinking about it, I would encourage you to submit that to God. Because I know that when God calls us to do something, he also equips us to do something. So if you are somebody that is thinking about sponsoring and you would like to learn more, you can head to compassion.com forward slash hearing Jesus, or you can text the words hearing Jesus to 83393. And when you do that, and I'll put the, the numbers and things up on the screen, but when you do that, you can learn more about the children and the program and all of those things. But David, would you do the honor of uh, just praying for our audience and praying for that person that might just be right on the fence there? Absolutely. Yeah, let's pray together. Uh, Father, thank you so much, our dear Heavenly Father, our dad in heaven. I just want to thank you 
Thank you for life. Thank you for health. Thank you for everything that you have blessed us with. Thank you for dying on the cross for us uh, and giving us life uh, and saving our lives, Lord. It's your grace, and we thank you for that grace that we don't even deserve. Uh, Father, I pray for each and every listener and everyone watching today. I pray for every single person that's still on the fence about the support uh, of the ministry. Um, Father, we absolutely totally understand because we need to be good stewards of your resources that you have given us. And I understand the, the people are uh, careful about whom to give to, how the relationship would be, the fear of starting a relationship with a stranger and not knowing what to say. But Father, I pray that you will open our hearts and that we will trust in you, that this is you doing everything, that you will give him, you will give us the words to say, you will give us the resources uh, to release these children, millions of them, from extreme poverty and giving them hope of Christ. Father, I thank you because this is a great commission. Uh, yeah, go ye into the world and make disciples of all nations. And I pray that you will model and you will change our hearts in a way that we can accept that great commission in obedience of you and doing by joining into the family of compassion or any other family that's doing this great commission kind of mission and 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 and, and activities lord of releasing children from poverty and making disciples everywhere in the world. Father, we thank you because we are going to hear great things that you are going to do today. And we want to thank you in advance, Lord, because we are, we know and we believe that your Holy Spirit has control of everything. We pray this in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for spending some time with us and just the encouragement that we get from hearing how God has worked in and through your life. We're so thankful for that. Um, absolutely. It's it's such a pre- privilege and honor for me to be here today. And thank you so much for inviting me. Really, I appreciate that. Yeah. So again, if you would like information about sponsorship, you can head to compassion.com forward slash hearing Jesus to learn more. Hey, friend. Every day when I finish the podcast, I feel so confident that this is one of the things that God created me for. And my journey is not unlike yours. I had a season in my life where I was doubting God's voice. I felt insecure about the things that I thought he might be telling me to do. If you were in that place, I want you to know that I offer spiritual direction and life coaching to help you get unstuck. Maybe you're struggling with something and need an objective biblical opinion. Maybe you need some help working through something that feels a little heavy. Maybe you feel called to write or start your own podcast, or maybe you just want to learn how to hear God's voice more clearly. For me, when God started to reveal his plan for my life, I found my purpose. And part of that purpose is to help you learn how to grow in your relationship with him. My heart is to help guide you in this area so you can step confidently into the calling God has for you. If you would like to start spiritual direction or life coaching, I'm opening up space for a couple more clients. You can head to shehears.org forward slash coaching to learn more. That's shehears.org forward slash coaching. 
Hey friends, if this podcast helped encourage, empower, or equip you in your walk with God, I would love it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a review. That's the number one way you can support my show. You can also join our free Facebook community or Instagram page where I share inspirational tips, bonus content, resources, and prayer throughout the week. Hey, I want you to know I'm praying for you. Know that you are so loved. Keep going. Keep going.